Highland Falls, El Paso, Clarksville, Watertown, and from other important military capitals around the globe. Eye on Defense brings the top military and defense issues into focus. Eye on Defense is proudly sponsored by Big Sarge Pre-Owned TA-50 Emporium and The Last Hope Jewelry and Pawn. And now, citizens of Earth, brace yourselves for the next episode of Eye on Defense. Defense, 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 defense. All right, we're back, everybody. This is episode 73. Today is 3 December. It's been almost a week since I did a podcast, but <clears throat> excuse me, I was so busy at work, I'd come home late and I was getting in, uh, work's getting involved in the rest of my life. I was not being able to do this and I was, couldn't run during lunch like I normally do. But anyway, you got to pay the bills. What are you going to do? Uh, a lot of stuff to get to, though. I might as well jump on it right away. Uh, we'll start off with the Defense Security Cooperation. There were three. FMS programs this week. Uh, the first one is uh, two from Finland, one from Qatar, or Qatar, however you say it. And while we do these defense security cooperation stories, we might as well do our uh, geography class. This is more for me than anyone else, but if you don't know where Finland is, which I'm sure you do, it's way up north. It borders Russia on, to the, to the west is, uh, to the east is Russia. To the west is Finland. To the north is nothing. More ice, probably. And south of Finland is Estonia. It's on the Baltic Sea. Uh, I guess it's a Scandinavian country. Or it's Nordic, but I don't know if it's Scandinavia. I think maybe Scandinavia is Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. I don't know. It's way up north. But there's two things for Finland. Uh, This one is from... 28 November, from the Defense Security Cooperation, uh, Finland. The State Department has made a determination approving a possible foreign military sale to the government of Finland of AIM, 9X Block II tactical missiles, AGM-154 joint standoff weapons, and related equipment for estimated cost of $323.3 million. Uh, the government of Finland is requested to buy 40 AIM, 9X Block II missiles, tactical missiles, 4 AIM-9X Block II Tactical Guidance Units and 48 AGM-154 Joint Standoff Weapons. Also included are dummy air training missiles, captive air training missile, captive flight vehicle, free flight vehicle, uh, the normal test and equipment, repair parts, publications, technical documentation, blah, blah, blah. Estimated cost is $323.3 million. Uh, It is vital to U.S. national interest to assist Finland in developing and maintaining a strong and ready self-defense capability. The proposed sale will improve Finland's air-to-air and air-to-surface weapon capabilities and will positively impact U.S. relations with countries in the Nordic region. There you go, Nordic region. Finland intends to use these defense articles and services for its fighter aircraft fleet. Uh, Principal contract will be Raytheon Missiles and Defense Tucson, Arizona. That's the first one. Second one is Finland Stinger Man portable ground air missiles. Uh, this is dated 1 December, which was two days ago. State Department has made a determination approving a possible foreign military sale to the government of Finland of FIM 92K Stinger man portable missiles. Production verification flight test FIM 92K Stinger man portable missiles and related equipment for an estimated cost of $380 million. 
government of Finland is requested to buy 350 FIM 92K Stinger portable missiles and five production verification flight Stinger FIM 92K missile man portable missiles. Also included is support equipment, production support, blah, blah, blah. Uh, estimated total cost is $380 million. It is vital to the U.S. national interest to assist Finland in developing and maintaining a strong and ready self-defense capability. The proposed cell will improve Finland's defense and deterrent capabilities. Finland intends to use these defense articles and services to increase its national stock. The critical platform will bolster the land and air defense capabilities of Europe's northern flake, supporting U.S. European Command's top priorities. Uh, principal contractors are Raytheon Missiles and Defense, Tucson, Arizona, and Lockheed Martin Corporation, Syracuse, New York. Implementation of this proposed sale will not require assignment of U.S. government or contractor representatives to Finland. 355 and total cost $380 million. So there's your two from Finland. And there's one more. Uh, this is dated uh, 29 November 22. Again, this is all from the Defense Security Cooperation Agency. You can look this stuff up yourself. It's for Qatar or Qatar. I don't know how you say it. I've heard both. I think the... The uh, smart, smarter type people say Qatar, and I think the normal people say Qatar, but you can say whatever you want. And while we're doing geography, we might as well talk about that. Where is Qatar? Our Qatar. It's obviously in the Middle East. If you go to the Middle East, you look at Saudi Arabia. Qatar, Qatar is a, it's like a peninsula that sticks out in the Persian Gulf due to the, directly west of Saudi Arabia. Uh, northwest is Bahrain, Bahrain. Uh, and then, you know, of course, it goes up to Kuwait. Southwest is UAE. I'm sorry, southeast is USE, UAE. And kind of north and northeast is Iran. So that's Qatar. Uh, fixed low. So this is a news release. Qatar. Fixed low. Fixed site. Low, slow, small unmanned aircraft system. Integrated defeat system. FS LIDS, which is a one on the acronym scale. Horrible acronym. The government of Qatar has requested by 10 fixed site, low, slow, small unmanned aircraft system, integrated defeat system, system of systems, unbelievable, to include 200 Coyote Block 2 interceptors. Also included is a counter unmanned electronic warfare system, Coyote launchers, KU band multifunction radio frequency set, radars, uh, Forward Air Defense Command and Control, Counter Unmanned Electronic Warfare Systems, EOIR Cameras, Support and Test Equipment, Integration Test Support, Spare Parts, Delivery, blah, blah, blah. Uh, U.S. Government Contract Engineering Technical Logistics Services with an estimated cost of $1 billion for 10 systems. Uh, the proposed sale will improve Qatar's capability to meet current and future threats by providing electronic and kinetic defeat Capabilities against unmanned aircraft systems. Qatar will have no difficulty absorbing these articles and services into the armed forces. Uh, principal contractors are Raytheon, Huntsville, Alabama, SRC, Huntsville, Alabama, Northrop Grumman, Huntsville, Alabama. Implementation of this sale, proposed sale will require the assignment of five additional U.S. government and 15 U.S. contractor representatives to Qatar for a duration of five years to support fielding, training, and sustaining activities.
So the name of the system is the Fixed Sight Low Slow Unmanned Aircraft System Integrated Defense System. So I did a little homework on that. If I can find it. And there's a good article from Jane's. Again, Jane's is a pay site. You're not going to get much out of them. Uh, this is an older, well, it's actually a pretty new story. One December, two days ago, U.S. approves FS LIDS counter UAV system for Qatar. Jeremy Benny is from Jane's. Great, great, you know, great site if you can pay the money for it. Uh, it basically talks about, we just talked about $1 billion. Uh, the approval covers 10 fixed light FS LIDS and 200 block two interceptors. Yep. They do kind of a better job of explaining. So FSLIDS is a system of systems developed by SRC Technology for the Army and uses the company's ANTPQ-50 counterfire radar and electro-optical cameras to detect and track small UAVs. Uh, targets can then be engaged using electronic warfare system, I guess to burn the motors up or to jam them, or Coyote interceptors, which is an actual missile. So they get, they're getting how many missiles? 200 of these Coyote missiles, interceptors. Uh, the coyote, so the, here's where they describe what the Coyote is. The Coyote was originally de developed by Raytheon as a multi-purpose disposable UAV loitering munition. The Block 2 has a small jet turbine engine, making it faster than the propeller-driven Block 1. And the original's wings, fold-out wings, were replaced by fixed wings, fixed ones, alongside of the fuselage, making the new variant look more like a missile than a UAV. Uh, while Raytheon has not published performance spe specifications and has released a video showing Coyote Block 2s destroying several UAVs with proximity explosions during tests at Yuma Proving Ground in August of 2021. The Coyote is used with uh, Raytheon's KU radio frequency system, multifunction radar, which the company says can detect a 9mm bullet, making it ideal for identifying small aircraft in a cluttered environment. That's a pretty good explanation right there. And if I can find that video, I'll uh, tweet it because we still are on Twitter. Believe it or not. So, yeah, I'll find that. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet that out. So that's it for Defense Security Cooperation Agencies. Three FMS sales uh, in the last week, I suppose. I'll pause right there for a second. All right, what's next? So uh, this article is from National Defense. Every time I go to National Defense, there's always something good in it. Um, it's becoming... I really like National Defense. I got a lot of good articles. And this one is from uh, yesterday, 2 December. Army purchases fire control system to counter small drones. Since we were just talking about counter UAS, we might as well talk about this. Uh, it's from Josh Luckenbaugh, uh, 2 December National Defense. Uh, so with small arm unmanned aircraft pro proliferating the battlefield, the Army has acquired a fire control optic that gives dismounted soldiers increased ability to combat drones. So the four, one before was kind of a fixed deal with uh, you know, the radar, the TPQ was a TPQ 50 radar, A and TPQ 50 radar, and some missile launchers. You're obviously not going to carry that around on your back, but this one here we're talking about now is for dismounted. Uh, the Services Integrated Fires Capabilities Office under Program Executive Office Missiles in Space, PEO Missiles in Space, awarded a contract to purchase Israeli based Smart Shooter Smash 2000L fire control system. The 2000L is a rifle mounted next generation fire control optic imagine if you'd have trademarked next generation the money you could be making anyway this is my comment that's not part of the article uh, and uses artificial intelligence computer vision and advanced algorithms to locate and engage targets said this guy scott thompson 
the company's vice president of U.S. operations. Once you engage the system, it does the ballistic calculation to the target, whether it's a ground target or an aerial target, and will not release the round until it has a 100% solution on the target, Thompson said. It's really easy, very user-friendly. The system was originally designed to combat ground targets, but Smart Shooter realized it was effective counter UAS capability as well. We can hit really, really, he said really twice. We can hit really, really small drones at 170 meters with over 95% probability. So we discovered that it's a great counter UAS weapon, which is what the Army is really interested in. Uh, after the counter joint counter small unmanned aircraft systems office confirmed that the test that confirmed through tests that the smash fire control system could be dismounted, kinetic counter drone capability and the rapid fires office issued the contract. Does it say about how much the contract was? No, it doesn't. Anyway, moving on, uh, the smash system is agnostic agnostic to any weapon. Thompson said, and we can be on any platform that's out there. Smart shooters interested in seeing the system use of the Army's next generation squad weapon. And this is my comment here. I bet they are. Uh, moving on. The Meanwhile, the Marine Corps Rapid Capabilities Office is also evaluating the smart shooter systems and conducted live fires with the Smash 2000L in early August. We are expecting that the Marine Corps is going to follow what the Army did for dismounted soldiers. It's a very simple, low-cost, easy solution for drones. Actually sounds pretty good. That's a good article right there. Straight straight to the point with a lot of good information. So check it out. National Defense Army purchased a small fire control system to counter small drones. Might as well move on here. We're making progress. Uh, well, I guess we talked about it before. There's only two more stories left. I'm going to do it on time. 14 minutes. It's the new B-21 Raider. Did anybody look at that yesterday? I mean, it was kind of all over Twitter, uh, and all the heavy hitters were there. I think, you know, you had the uh, SEC Defense was there. Uh, there was, uh, I think, the Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs was there. He's a Navy Admiral. Um, who else was there? You know, of course, Defense News, Breaking Defense, all the heavy defense people were there. I on Defense, we weren't there. I wasn't there. But anyway, I was there in spirit, and I watched it on, on TV or on the computer. But here's a story, a good story from... Everybody's got it, so I just kind of picked the first one I saw. Uh, Deterrence the American Way, the new, new B-21 debuts. It's from Defense News, Stephen Losey, out of Palmdale, California. Uh, for the first time in a generation, the American revealed a new stealth bomber. I think the last time they did it was 86 or 88, probably 88. The Air Force unveiled the Northrop Grumman's B-21 Raider to the public Friday at a ceremony in Air Force Plant 42 in Palmdale, California. Uh, it's named after, it's called the Raider. It's named after, it, it's a tribute to the a story, Doolittle Raiders, for who the bomber was named. And I'm not a history podcast, but I think the Doolittle Raid was when Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Uh, the Army, just the Army Air Corps then, they decided to take these bombers and fly them off aircraft carriers and bomb Japan. And I think a lot of them got, didn't make it back because there was, fuel was a problem back then. Anyway, I'm not a history podcast. If you know more than me, please don't be mad at me. Um, I watched the ceremony, and, well, I'll, I'll just keep going with the article. As dust fell, the Northrop Grumman employees sang National Anthem. 
and then a procession of three bombers streaked overhead, a B-52 Stratofortress, a B-1, and then a B-2 Spirit. Uh, and then, I guess the this person named Warden, who is like the boss over there, I had it right here. She is Northrop Grumman's chief executive, Kathy Warden. Uh, Warden thanked all the employees who built it, and they played some music. And then the hangar doors opened, and they pulled this sucker out, and it was had a like a the world's biggest sheet on it. And they pulled the sheet off, and they pulled it forward. And I guess I really couldn't tell much about it. I mean, I I'm not an aircraft uh, aviation guy. It it kind of looked like the picture on Twitter. I mean, you really didn't see much of it. And then there was a couple of speeches. I think the vice chief of staff gave a little speech, and he introduced the. Uh, uh, Secretary of Defense, the Vice Chiefs of Staff was uh, forgettable. I don't remember what he said. And then the Secretary Austin gave a speech, very good speech. I thought it was very good. And then that was pretty much it. Uh, I'll continue with the article. I think the whole thing lasted 30 minutes. So uh, Air Force leaders envisioned the B-21 as a backbone of future bomber force uh, for the next half century. Uh, well, when, when the highly classified secretive bomber starts arriving at Air Force bases such as Ellsworth in South Dakota later this decade, it will arrive the capability to carry both nuclear and conventional weapons, including standoff and direct attack munitions. And this thing is $203 billion over its life cycle. $203 billion for the whole life cycle. How much are they? I think they're, he gives a, a price of how much they are somewhere in here. I think they're $500 million apiece. Uh, moving on, as more B-21s are available, they will replace the aging B-1 and the B-2 Spirit bombers as the Army moves to a planned two-bomber fleet. One will be the B-52, obviously, so that sucker's been around forever and continues to be around forever. Uh, the Air Force plans to retire all B-1s and B-2s by 2030, leaving the service with a fleet of 100 B-21s and the Cold, Air, Cold War era B-52s with the revamped engines. I think we did a story about that a few months ago. Um, and they talked about the aircraft, which it just, there's not much you can tell. Uh, so here in, in a November interview with Defense News, Tom Jones, president of Northrop Grumman's Aeronautics Systems Unit, touted the B-21 as the world's first sixth-generation aircraft. Uh, he pointed to the advanced stealth capabilities as open systems architecture meant to enable future modernization and its data sharing technology is part of the JADC2, which we know all about, or we think we do. This, okay, the aircraft that they showed, that B-21 is numbered 001 and designated T-1 for the first flight test. It's one of six aircraft in various stages of construction at Plant 42. Uh, more, to, more will follow, but, but Jones didn't say when construction of the seventh B-21 is going to happen. Uh, the first B-21 has, has undergone ground tests in recent months, as well as final assembly and application of coats and paintings before its debut. Its next major step will be the first flight to Edwards Air Force Base in California, expected to occur sometime in 2023, which is next year. Uh, Northrop Grumman said, has said the date of that flight will be based on results of additional ground tests. Those tests will include powering the radar systems on and off, running engines, performing taxi test runs, and other integration tests. 
Once the Raiders at Edwards, the Air Force will continue future test flights. Uh, the Air Force said to an email and to Defense News that the B-1 is staying under average procurement unit costs, that which, when adjusted for inflation, is now $692 million in 2022 dollars. So each one of these things is $692 million. Uh, Bloomberg said in 2021, the B-21 is expected to cost $203 billion over 30 years. They named some of the contractors who make it. Uh, Pratt, and Whitney, Pratt and Whitney makes the engine. BAE Systems, Collins Aerospace. Mm. Okay, Air Force awarded the contract to build the B-21 to Northrop Grumman in 2015. So here it is seven years later and we see it. Uh, it passed critical design review in 2018. It has chosen Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota to be the first operational B-21 base. And also they're going to put him at Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri and Dias Air Force Base in Texas. Earlier this year, Ellsworth began construction of a 95,000 square foot hangar to maintain the B-21's low, observa low observable stealth coating. This is one of about three dozen major projects at Ellsworth to prepare for the bomber's arrival later this decade. And then the article goes on why they call it the Doolittle Raid. And that's pretty much it. Is there anything else? Nope, that's pretty much it on that. 21 minutes, okay. I got nine minutes to be under 30 minutes. I don't know if I'll make it. So not only did the B-21 get revealed, um, there's also a great article from uh, Breaking Defense, a great site, by Sidney Friedberg, who's a great writer, uh, for the Army's optionally manned fighting vehicle. We got, we're going to have to keep an eye on this one too because I think there's three or four companies trying to this is going to be the Bradley replacement, the Bradley IFE, which has been around. It's one of the big five from the 80s. It's still hanging around. I think they're on A4 now, Bradley A4. Um, anyway, BAE kind of showed what they've got. Uh, this article is from 30 November. A real-life Lego tank BAE touts modular design for Army OMFE, optionally manned fighting vehicle, from Sidney J. Friedberg, Jr., uh, he starts off with a redesign already a redesign already trimmed the troop compartment from nine passengers to six. BAE says want to upgrade the engine, load new software, add a drone killing razor laser. Unlike the old Bradley, there's plenty of room. Uh, BAE's designed to plan the Reagan Area M2 Bradley troop looks like awful like like a Bradley. Uh, let's see. But one thing you'll have a hard time is finding the engine. Uh, like the other four competitors, for, so there's five of them. So like the other four competitors for OM, OMFV, which is optionally manned fighting vehicle, the BAE machine will use a hybrid electric engine instead of a traditional internal combustion engine. Uh, they didn't divulge too many details, but BAE's James Miller, VP for Business Development, told reporters that the BAE's design will use a serial Serial, S-E-R-I-A-L, not like your breakfast cereal. Serial hybrid design electron, electric engine that's distributed throughout the armored hull. What does that mean? Uh, traditional troop carriers, APCs, IFEs, have a single engine in the front where it makes a big heat signature on in, enemy infrared sensors and can be taken out with the first shot to penetrate the armor. Uh, the BAE OMF, OMFV replaces one big engine with a series of smaller hybrid electrical modules on either side of the hull. And he kind of traces this system back to uh, 
BAE doing this during the oh, FCS Future Combat Systems that was canceled back in 09. Uh, he has a little chart of what the F FCS, um, they called it the series hybrid electric uh, vehicle, which is part of the FCS, which is all these little hybrid engines on, on the hull. He must have dug that one out. Anyway, FCS, some, some people don't like talking about that. Uh, the benefits, despite producing a whopping 1,070 horsepower, this distributed drive spreads out a heat signature along both sides of the hull, making it harder for heat-seeking enemy to find and track. It's also designed to reduce noise, allowing the vehicle to power its electronics for nine hours with the engine off, known as silent watch, or drive 2.5K on batteries alone with no engine noise. He talks about the weight, though. Um, it reduces weight, although with its modular armor plates configured for, com configured for combat, it's still 50 tons, considerably heavier than the Bradley. I think the Bradley is around 30 or 35 tons. I don't know. I have to look that up. Uh, in fact, the Lego philosophy design, what engineers call the modular open systems architecture, MOSA, MOSA keep in, remember that, MOSA. You're going to hear that a lot with everything. In fact, they kind of refer to it on the B-21. Um, they call it something else. But basically, it's MOSA, Modular Open Systems Architecture. Uh, it's mandatory on the OMFV, and BA is embracing enthusiastically. Uh, it just allows for design updates, basically. Uh, the idea is design that's easy to upgrade with all software and hardware connecting, connecting to common interfaces defined by strict standards. Uh, that way, the Army can easily swap out obsolescent systems, plug in new ones, or refunction, reroute a function in mid-battle from a combat damage processor or backup computer. Um, I think they, I think everything's going to be like that. Uh, the Bradley, and then he goes back to the Bradley. The Bradley, in particular, is overtaxed with the weight and electrical power. With some units in Iraq, for instance, having to turn off one system, like a sensor, to free up power to run another, like a counter IED jammer. Adding an active protective system to shoot down incoming anti-tank rockets and missiles has been particularly difficult. Although the Bradley is getting the same, it's really made Iron Fist APS used on the new BAE design. So he kind of moved back to the Bradley there. Uh, let's see. He still talks about the Bradley a little bit. Okay. They wanted to go with a new design for the OMFV. They wanted a built-in APS instead of an add-on one, like they're trying to do for the Bradley, which provides better protection against top attack missiles and roadside bombs. And they want a bigger gun, so they want to go 50 millimeter instead of the 25 that's on the Bradley, and a lot of automation and more, more importantly, room to grow. Uh, let's see. I think they changed the crew size too. I think it's instead of a crew of three on the Bradley, I think there's only a crew of two. Does he get to that? I think he does. It's a long article. Uh, I'll just keep going. Um, so then they talk about the first vehicle they built. I guess this is the second one. That, the, the second one the BAs built. Our first was much bigger than we started. We thought the Army would want a full squad. Example, nine fully equipped infantry soldiers in the passenger compartment. Uh, that's what the Army insisted on two previous canceled attempts to replace a battery, which was the FCS, the Future Combat System, and the the ground combat vehicle, and on the successful striker, which has nine. But on the, OMF, on the OMFV, the Army and five industry teams went back and forth over possible designs, and the servers decided it could go from nine 
passengers to six and from a two-person crew to a three. I think the Bradley only carries six anyway with a three-soldier crew. So I guess they're going to go to six with a two-soldier crew. Um, I'm not a big Bradley person. I rode in the back of one a couple times, but uh, I don't think they can put nine in there. Maybe they can. I don't know. Moving on. Uh, that forces an unprecedented reliance on automation and artificial intelligence. You can't do a two-man crew with a lot of AI support. You can't do a two-man crew without a lot of AI support. Uh, so they start talking about the turret here. So the turret designed by Israeli Elbit armed a Northrop Grumman 50mm XM913 gun and a missile launcher is unmanned, but it features an army-developed targeting AI called Atlas. The advanced target lethality automated system atlas atlas advanced targeting and lethality automated system that's a two plus very good doesn't actually doesn't actually let the algorithm pull the trigger which would violate pentagon regulations on human control but it could detect targets and highlight them on a screen bring the gun to bear with computerized precision at the press of a human button human press of a button uh the be will make use of another Army-developed AI system called Robotic Technology Kernel for cross-country navigation, i.e. a self-driving truck, which really puts the optional in the optionally manned fighting vehicle. Uh, last but not least, the article continues on. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, the, currently, the Army does not require a counter-drone capability on the OMFV, but given how deadly drones have proven to armor vehicles in Ukraine, both weapons in themselves and spotters for artillery strikes, the Army might want to add that sooner than later. The BAE's OMFV modular design could make that easy. I would think you would want to see that. I mean, we just did two stories on counter UAS in this episode alone. Um, so you probably would see that. Moving right along, I'm almost done. 29 minutes. Uh, even though the service would want to add a for even if the service wanted to add, say, a high-powered laser weapon, Miller said the design could ramp up to provide 700 more kilowatts of electric power than it currently does. Uh, Miller designed to, to disclose the current figure, but it's at least likely to be the 160 kilowatts generated by an experimental hybrid electric Bradley. By contrast, the Army is still fielding a 60-kilowatt counter-drone laser on its dedicated vehicle striker variant. That's pretty much it. So there's two big things. There was the uh, optionally manned fighting vehicle, which could be the Bradley replacement, and then the B-21, which will replace two bombers, I guess, the B-1 and the B-2. And I did it all in 30 minutes and 45 seconds. Not bad. It's been a while since I've done a show. But like I said, I was super busy. Um, but I'm glad I did it. And I'm going to do some more look. And I might even do a show tomorrow just to get caught back up. So anyway, that's pretty much it. 30 minutes, 31 minutes. This is episode 70, I can't remember, oh, 73, episode 73 in the book. So thanks for tuning in, and maybe I'll do a show tomorrow, not sure. Anyway, thank you very much, and good night.